Today, there are two million descendants of French-Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. Venez tous jeunes filles et garçons, je vais vous raconter l'histoire de notre immigration ici au USA, de grands aventuriers de pays étrangers. This is the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. I am Jesse Martineau, and we have a special episode this week. Though not exactly the special episode we had intended to have, it is with the same guest. Joining us this week is the founder of the New Hampshire Putsid Fest, a guest very familiar to the listeners of this podcast, Tim Beaulieu. Welcome again to the French Canadian Legacy. Bonsoir, Jesse. So we have to talk about Putsid Fest. We've got a lot of talk all over the place, social media, people have been asking me, I'm sure there are a lot more people have been asking you. State the obvious. What is going on with Putsid Fest this year? So, uh, obviously, this is being filmed, uh, recorded in the time of coronavirus, as my uh, son calls it, Corona-19. He's combined. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so we're doing a road show this year. So, you know, kind of what led up to that is, you know, we're in the summer. And, you know, this started coming up in, like, February, March. We started seeing a little bit about it. Got a little nervous then. Started We, we talked to a lot of the um, events in New England. I'm friendly with some of the folks in, in Massachusetts and then and around New Hampshire. Sure. So I talked to them, and, and a couple of them started talking about difficulty getting supply in April, where they'd have to wait until the summertime. Um, and as you can tell, with a big crowd like that, having napkins and sanitizers and things like that is pretty sure. essential. Then the stay-at-home orders came in, and you know our restaurants, you know, were messaging us saying that we weren't sure if they they weren't sure if they could do it. They weren't sure they, if they're going to have staff, you know. And we waited as long as we could, and as it dragged on, it became harder to get materials. More restaurants were um, they had furloughed some of their staff, so my contacts have been furloughed. It just didn't feel like the right thing to do to talk about a festival. Some of them, um, so kind of out of respect for them and, and what we were going through, we decided to. Cancel the in-person event, but then I'll but come up with a different way to kind of still so you know celebrate the culture, but also show some support for the restaurants that have had our back over the last five years. Sure. Now, I guess before we move on, I should not assume because I know we get new listeners all the time. Um, for those who may be just checking in for the first time to this podcast, maybe just real briefly, when was Put Said Fest supposed to be, and what does it look like? Why do why are we talking about the fact that these restaurants may not be fully staffed? What is the role that these restaurants have at this festival? Fest was supposed to be June thirteenth, so that would be as we're filming this this Saturday. Um, we were going to have about fifteen restaurants come. Oh wow. Pfizer at, in Merrimack, New Hampshire. Um, we have a big open field. Um, we do a sampling. You get to try every single one. We award a WWE-style belt to the fans' choice winner. Um, we have all kinds of um, French-Canadian and Acadian music, children's dance show. We had kids' activities. And, of course, being at Budweiser, we had plenty of cheap beer. That is the Patin Fest. That's our fifth year. Our second year with Budweiser, prior to that, we had been at the, uh, the stadium in Manchester, home of the... Uh, Toronto Blue Jays double-A team, the Fisher Cats. Absolutely. Okay, so I guess one question I might have, because I think people might be asking, uh, why the decision to call it the live event off when you did? And did you consider at all moving it back to a different date? We had looked at the fall. Um, we started calling around. Budweiser had our, had our back the whole time. They were through us dates in the fall that we could look at. 
we also looked at some alternative locations. If Budweiser, you know, couldn't support it, if the town of Merrimack would let us stay, we had talked to other towns just to make sure we had a backup plan. As the stay-at-home orders continued, and as we saw social distancing become like such a thing, the six-foot thing, absolutely, and, um, you know, large crowds. You know, we have a at the Franco-American Center a larger, um, I'll call them, I won't say elderly, but um, young and uh, older and active community. <laughs> Franco-American Center that probably might be nervous being in crowds. It just didn't feel like something that we could pull off without really knowing what the future would be like when we didn't even know what the next week would be like. So we kind of decided at that point to kind of pull the plug. And were you in kind of constant communication with the restaurants? Because obviously no restaurants, (laughs) no events. We were, I mean, we had been talking pretty regularly up until March, but um, the stay-at-home order hit in New Hampshire, and when people started, restaurants started closing, we weren't talking as much. Um, we just kind of, it was a wait and see, you know, what was going to happen. At that point, we were kind of on our own. So we, people started coming back to work part-time and doing takeout during that time. Like after that had ramped up for a few weeks, we started to sure. communicate with a couple of them to kind of get a feel. And a lot of them, like I said, a lot of my contacts had been furloughed or they were closed completely. Um, so it's just the ones who responded. I kind of got a feel from. Gotcha. And I guess that's one of, that was one of my concerns, big time concerns I thought about when, you know, all the stay at home orders started going down is everybody started talking about small businesses. And I just kept thinking, man, we got a lot of small businesses that we work with to pull off this puts in fest. And I hope, I hope a lot of them are in good shape. You, you alluded to it. We've put it on our social media that there is going to be something else that will be taking the place of what's in fest this year. Maybe you can describe that for us. Sure. So we're doing what we're calling a road show. So what the road show is, um, basically, it's an opportunity to go around during the summer. We're going to run it from July 11th until August 31st to go visit some of the restaurants that come to Putin Fest. But also we're including some folks who have not come to Putin Fest before, either due to scheduling conflicts for some of them or distance. In New England, everything's really close. So I don't think that's an excuse, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> Um, or they just haven't come. They didn't know about us and they're just getting to know us. So what you get is we have a passport. You can take it into any of our vendors um, and get 25% off of regular size Putin. You can also um, get a t-shirt with that passport. If you like, there's two different prices, $15, small amount of money for those 25% off discounts. And I believe it is $29 for the um, the included with the t-shirt. And with that, I'm just looking at my list right now. So right now, it looks like we have just about 16 vendors who are included in that. And they range from the Lewis and Auburn area in Maine awesome. um, down to southern New Hampshire. Um, we have some ongoing discussions with some folks in Connecticut and Rhode Island in the metro Boston area. We tend to, our sweet spot, of course, is New Hampshire. So the predominant uh, number of those restaurants will be between about the Lakes region and um, Nashua. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So you pay your... One price, and that one price gets you a discount in, it sounds like, at least 19 different places, although you're still working on others. Is that the deal? Yeah, we're still working on it. So, again, it comes back to that whole furlough, stay-at-home order. A couple of our restaurants have been closed and have not opened for takeout. Um, So I'm leaving the window open to make sure they can get in. As we're recording this, you know, we'd have another week. So if anyone hears this, you know, next Tuesday on the 16th and they want to reach out, um, just email, um, I'll say it the way, this phonetic way, poutinefest at <laughs> facnh.com if you want to get in. 
um, and you're anywhere in New England, New York too. Hey, why not? I'd say Quebec, but we can't cross the border right now. There you go. Um, but yeah, so right now at present time, it'd be about 16 that you'd be able to go and, and take that and get that 25% off at. That's very awesome. Okay, cool. And what I think might be interesting for some people, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, but my understanding is some of, sometimes the reason, uh, especially smaller places, can't do Putsin Fest is because they don't have the staff. Because if you if you come to Putsin Fest, you have to invest some of your staff on a full day, which may be tough for a really small business. So do we have some of those places who may be able to, our crowd who maybe never had a chance to try their Putsin, now will have an opportunity to do so. We do, um, you know, and we a lot of those smaller places come anyway and just bite the bullet and give it a shot. You know, I, I don't want to call anybody out for being small or yeah, a food sure. truck. Food truck's another one that, you know, food, tr food truck folks, they love to vent. Um, this is a sample. We do a sampling event for folks to kind of get to know Putsin. And those smaller margin businesses, like you said, you know, and smaller staffing, it's tough. Um, so there are some of those coming for sure. Um, and they've been more receptive to be able to come to Putin Fest, um, the, you be participating in the Putin Fest Roadshow, um, as opposed to like, we usually say send three people. Um, and to your point, these smaller folks, that's their entire staff at times. Yeah, of course, yeah. But yes, we do have a couple of those smaller places. And, and that list is, the current list is at um, nhputinfest.com is up there currently. Um, and again, I, I have a document I'm working on, you know, hammering the phones, mostly hammering, um, social media sure. um, to kind of get some of the other folks to come. But, you know, and again, just not to harp on uh, Corona 19, as my son says, <laughs> a couple of folks said they weren't sure they'd be able to get curd. They weren't sure what they'd be able to do. Sure. So um, the folks that we're able to sign up for, this is something that's on their menu regularly and they're opening and this will be something they have to have on their menu anyway. All right. So I guess logistically then, maybe you can describe how this would happen. Are, are they going to get something in the mail? That's that they will have to bring with them. How's, how's it, or do they have to let the restaurant know when they call in to place their order? How's this going to work? You know, when you, you come into the restaurant, you have your passport with you. Um, so it shows on the passports, like a, basically a piece of paper for the, for lack of a better of term. Um, you have your paper, you have your, your ticket that you had purchased to come to Putin Fest. You show them the passport. They might look at your ticket. Say, oh, yeah, you're one of our guys. And then they just kind of check off. You know, if the restaurants want you to let them use the coupon more than once, we have no problem with that. Sure. Our suggestion is it's a one-time use. And they can say, you know, all right, we've checked you off. You can't come back. Um, but, yeah, you show them your passport. And they're going to be looking for that. They know that the restaurants that are participating are, are very aware of, of the event. Show that to your server. Tell them when you're doing takeout. Um, you can't use it for a third-party app because those apps take a, a ton out of the restaurants anyway. Sure. Um, so just for takeout or delivery through the restaurant directly. Okay, so the timeline of this. Um, when, pretty clear, when do tickets go on sale? How can they get the tickets? When is it going to run one more time? And maybe when can they expect, uh, those who participate, expect to get that passport in the mail? Tickets go on sale Saturday, uh, June 13th, 2020 at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we'll be running ticket sales throughout the summer. So I'm not sure we might cut it off sometime in August, but they'll be going, you know, so if you, if you see, you know, you want to do this, but you know, you're not going to be able to get to New Hampshire in July, but you're coming up to Winnipesaukee in August, you can buy sure. it for use it in August. So they're running all summer. Um, they get it by going to um, either nhputinfest.com. Um, we have a ticket. Um, you just click the, the option for tickets. 
Um, also, you can go to the Facebook page. Our Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash NHPlatoonFest. And the event is right there. You can click tickets there. I guess once you buy the ticket, can you expect to get your passport? Is sure. it first of all, is it mailed to you? Is it emailed to you? And just how, sure. how soon after your purchase do you get it? It's through Eventbrite. So you get your event, uh, Eventbrite ticket immediately. The passport will be sent to you prior to July 11th. So um, logistically, we're just, you know, making sure they're all, you know, uh, we're not, uh, we're not app, the Apple or Googles of the world. We're a little French organization. So <laughs> we're just making sure we lock them down to make sure that when they go out, you know, they're, they're secured um, with the, you know, individual markers on them. So once we know our, our t- ticket count, we can send those out. Um, so we're thinking, you know, right before the 11th of July. Very cool. All right. That's awesome. If you don't mind, I would like to switch gears because you are involved in something else. Another project that I find absolutely awesome. Maybe you could explain to the listeners, what is the Rev de Gagnon? My good buddy, um, who I've met through um, baseball and through the Franco-American Center, um, Luc Trepanier from St. Yacinthe. I'm glad you tried to pronounce that. I wasn't going to do that. Very good. Yes. You know, I've (laughs) talked to him enough. I'm getting it down. Um, So Luke and I both have this this view of the Quebecois, the Franco-Americans, the Acadians, um, all those folks who came on those boats to those that, you know, area of Quebec, Acadia, that New France, we're kind of all family, but we're kind of all separated by language, um, because as the Franco-Americans, we, you tell that story very well, what happened to the language. And up in Quebec, it, you know, it's, it's super French, obviously. I mean, that's, sure. that's, that's their culture, you know, and we've lost that, but we don't, it's the right word. We're not a, an enemy of that. We miss it and sure. we want to reconnect with our, our lost family. Um, some of us, and there's some folks up in Quebec who feel the same way. They don't view Franco-Americans as Americans, they view them as Franco-Americans who are family of the, um, the immigrants who came down and, and were disconnected. Sure. Um, so we've seen other Facebook groups out there, um, you know, and they tend to talk about genealogy and get very academic. I am not an academic. I, you know, I, <laughs> my sure. background is business, but I'm not a historian. Um, and I'm more interested in present day Quebec. And Luke is more interested in the present day Franco-Americans, not what my grandfather did. He wants to know what we're doing. Sure. Um, so this new group is an opportunity, a bilingual opportunity, and there's it's a judgment-free zone. So if you're trying to speak in French, but you're an English speaker, and maybe you and I'll, I can see teachers like get, getting ready for me to say Google Translate. They hate that. Um, <laughs> if you have to translate some things to understand what they're saying, or vice versa, that's okay. It's just an, an opportunity for us to talk about things that aren't just in the past. Um, it is the past is welcome. You want to talk about what your your ancestors did? That's great. Sure. But you know that group particularly is focused on reconnecting the disconnected um, family fr- families of New France. I don't know what else to call them because we don't have yeah, a unifying right. term. No, exactly. Um, when I say French Canadian, as you know, with the name of this podcast, they're like, "Why are you calling it French Canadian? We don't call ourselves that anymore." I'm like, "Well, that's right." So it's a whole confusion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're very clear that it's you know. Rev de Gagnon and you know Ferdinand Gagnon, and I know that everyone says Gagnon in New Hampshire, so it's it's you know <laughs> I'm I'm getting better at saying Gagnon. Yes. Had that dream of you know high level reconnecting us. I won't go too you know he's a polarizing figure for some, but you know he's got a statue in, in Manchester and he was born in Saint Saint, so it makes sense for a connection there. So yeah, so it's a slowly growing group. We've made some 
I made some friends, some new friends in Quebec that didn't know who we were, you know, and I'm obviously going to convert them all to, to New England Patriots fans. Um, <laughs> but if they, uh, yeah. if they ever play again. But it's just a fun space, you know, we're talking about how things are going with them. And it's just, it's different. It's more of a, um, a like I said, like a family. So that's something we've been working on. It's awesome. Man. What I think is kind of cool, what I've learned, I think, especially through groups like that, um, we here as Franco-Americans, you know, we hear stories of the family still in Quebec that the family kept in touch with for maybe a couple of generations and then lost touch with them, but we don't know anymore. Uh, but what I'm hearing more and more is that and that is absolutely opposite is true for those still in Quebec. They had that family. They know somebody. They know they have relatives in Lowell. They just haven't connected with them yet. Like, or they know they have lo- lo- relatives, excuse me, down in Woonsocket that they haven't met yet. So they're almost in like the inverse situation that we happen to be. Oh yeah, exactly. And you know, there's some folks I know on the Franco-American side that for me personally, I don't, you know, besides a couple of cousins I trace, they don't know anyone, any family in Quebec. So I view all, all the Quebecois as somewhat family. I guess we all kind of are. If you've watched Barkskins, right? It's like all these small <laughs> villages. Are you just trying to stir the pot with Barkskins? Are you caught up on Barkskins? You know, I'm through episode four. What's I know this review? is another. This, this is a hot button. What's your review? Yeah. Jesse, this is a hot potato. This is a it hot is. potato. I mean, sure. you know, in some of the. I've, I watch social media on the French Canadian Quebecois thing really closely. Some people are really angry that it is not historically accurate, which I agree. Sure. It is not historically accurate. And sometimes they make the English look a little too cool. Can we just be clear about that? This cook <laughs> guy, you know, I'm through episode four and I'm like, he's like, oh, I'm the big businessman and I'm not like the lazy. Fr-. I'm like, oh, don't even start that, Amy Prue. How did you know better? That's awesome. um, but what it is doing is it's exposing New France, the Fidewas, the Fidewas. Like my wife, my wife, I'm going to be clear, is not French Canadian, Quebecois, whatever you want to call. She sure. is. Yankee as can be, and she's watching the show with me and, and learning a little bit about a dramatized style of New France. She's like, oh, they sent these women over? I'm like, yeah. They lived up there. I'm like, I don't know about this English invasion thing in the middle of this fake town, but sure. um, yeah. as you can see, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's kind of cool because, obviously, yes, they're, they're all, I can understand where some would have issue with it, but I think a really big positive is uh, people who knew nothing of the Fidurois or knew nothing of the settling of New France at all are running into this TV show, a popular TV show now, and they're being like, Tamo, what is this story? And then they're going back to try to find out what the actual story is. Yeah. And I think that could be only be a positive thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Open the door to a new generation. Like if I had seen that when I was younger, it had, you know, not really knowing much about New France, I would have been like, whoa, this is it follows a colonial story in the United States that we kind of are familiar with, with Europeans coming over and um, the Native American tribes and things like that. But it's actually our story and not, you know, some dudes from England who are, you know, kind of lame and thrown out because they were kind of born. <laughs> Sorry, am I ripping on the Puritans? No, that's fine. That's always <laughs> I'm allowed, allowed to. Yeah, that's, yeah. No, that's cool. But yeah, no, so I think it's obviously there's the show, but what you're doing with the Gagnon page is cool. And I, I honestly, I think even just that name, I think, again, you mentioned it's a uh, polarizing figure 
but I think he's a super significant figure that should probably be better known on both sides of the border than he is because he played a major, major role. And I think if, unless you happen to be from West Manchester, I would say very, very few because you, you've run into the statue. You probably don't even know that's him. But if you may have a chance if you run into, if you go to the, the, the park, Lafayette Park, the park's not even named after him. Um, yeah. You might have an, you might. Those would be the only people who would have heard, even know who Gagnon is. So it is kind of cool. All right. All right. So one other, I guess, project that I'd like to bring up in addition to the Red de Gagnon page is my French-Canadian family. Uh, what is it? Where did that idea come from? What goals do you have for that? Sure. Um, so this comes back again to, uh, and I, I give a lot of credit to, to Luke um, for kind of lighting the fire on this one a little bit, but, um, you know, when he wanted to create the, um, the Gagnon page, you know, we needed something else, you know, a kind of a central point. I just, that's kind of just the way I felt about it. Like there should be some other way to share information. So the, um, the, my French Canadian family, um, website and Facebook page is kind of a, you know, again, I follow the, the media in Quebec closely. I follow the media in the United States. You can't avoid the media in the United States. Um, <laughs> very closely and there is no voice that is kind of kind of got our back in english like 100 percent. like they're gonna be you know never take sides against the family type deal like we don't i'll give credit to patrick lacroix for coming up with that but you know we'll we'll see things that you know that they're talked about in the american media or in the canadian media english or in french and kind of comment on what we see so you know one thing we had tackled was the lewis and clark myth where Lewis and Clark were, you know, these, I mean, obviously they did quite a bit, but they, they left out the Canadian aspect of it. Like we're, we're wiped out. And there was a huge part getting them out there, setting them up. Um, and actually Melody from, from uh, the French Canadian legacy wrote an amazing article kind of digging into that for my French Canadian family. So that was, that was really cool. So we kind of go into those kind of things, like kind of taking our side, which is, I feel not really, First of all, the academic institutions won't, because they're tied to academia, they won't go as far as we will, but we're not really beholden to anyone. So we'll say, sure. hey, this is the way we feel. And then we're not, you know, it's not offensive or anything like that, but it's very pro our view. I got it. And what, do you have like a timeline? Do you expect to have so many, you know, pieces written per month or is it just kind of like something strikes you, now it's time to do a paste? Sure. So, um. You know, we'll share things in the Facebook page pretty frequently. Like, I, I'm sure, like, uh, we'll be at Old Orchard Beach quite a bit this summer with the border closed. Yeah. Um, I've had people reach out to us. We wrote an article, a, a brief article on Old Orchard Beach being closed for the summer yeah. and how so many folks from Quebec come down and how amazing it was. And I was there last summer. I have never been to, to, uh, to Old Orchard Beach. You know, I've been growing in New England my whole life. We're Cape Cod sure. people. But it was amazing. You know, I heard French everywhere. Like, yeah. you know, they were addressing me in French at that little carnival. Um, so I thought that was really cool. So, you know, I'll share things that I see. Luke will do the same. Luke sees things he shares. And other folks we have contributing to the page will share things. Um, probably a few a month. You know, right now in the United States, there's a lot going on. It doesn't feel appropriate to be commenting too much on, on things. We're kind of on a little, you know, there's some things in, in our culture that are going on that, that need a voice. And it sure. needs to be on them for now. Once these things are addressed, they'll probably be more frequent. But, uh, you know, probably a few times a month at least you'll see us out there. Yeah, no, I mean, you bring up a good point with Seacoast New England. Because 
obviously at Old Orchard Beach, and that's kind of like the stereotypical everybody thinks that's where all the French go beach. Uh, but you can run into people from Quebec all up and down New England seacoast. Because I, I remember even dealing cards on Hampton Beach in New Hampshire. I used to work at a casino there. Uh, was not infrequent that we would have a table full of people speaking French. In fact, I remember getting pretty good at counting to 21 in French real fast to try to get my tips better. But so we do see quite a bit all through New England during the summer. And it's going to be very, very strange if that's if that cannot happen this summer. I, I don't know what's going to happen as far as the businesses go or, or what's going to happen there. No, yeah, it, it will be. I mean, it'll certainly be felt. I mean, they, you know, particularly in Old Orchard Beach, Hampton, those kind of places. I mean, that is they're. Their contribution to the local economies is significant. Um, yeah. So there'll be some. Hopefully, the businesses can can bounce back or, or weather the storm. Is is the hope? All right. Well, Tim, this has been a way way fun conversation. Obviously, it was a disappointment that we couldn't have the Putsin Fest, but it is super exciting that we've been able to or you've been able to transition it, I should say, into something else. Uh, still being able to support these businesses, still making sure everybody can get their puts in this summer. So that's very awesome. Uh, so I guess maybe one last time, where can you get it? Uh, first of all, you mentioned the T-shirt. What does the T-shirt look like? Where can I see that? And then where can I get the tickets for this event? Sure. Uh, the T-shirt will be up on our Facebook page on uh, facebook.com backslash and it's Um The T-shirt has our Roadshow logo on it, which is um, basically a, a box of poutine with our logo on it and 2020 Roadshow. And then on the back of the T-shirt, we have all the restaurants and like a little checkbox to say, hey, I went to all these and supported them over the summer. Best place to probably get tickets is probably nhpoutinefest.com. Very cool. And then 2021, giant blowout party <laughs> for the fifth Putsin Fest. Going to happen. I love it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right, well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Merci. Now our fathers look at us and sigh with despair To think that everything they love we simply do not share But the spirit never dies, our culture will survive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Special thanks to Josie Vashon for providing the music. You can find more about her at josievashon.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Mike Campbell. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at fclpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at fclpodcast for more information about the topics discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this episode.